All right, well, if you would, you can turn to Job 15, if you haven't already. And again, we'll open up by reading chapter 15. And this is, it begins here in these chapters is Eliphaz uh, in his second round of, of discourse with Job. And uh, so this will be the beginning of his three friends responding once again. And, you know, they just kind of get more vehement and uh, really pound their feet that it's, he's suffering because of his sin. And uh, you might, if after you're looking at this, you might think that he was courteous compared to the one, uh, what he says in chapter 15. And so um, he really just starts to lambaste Job here and uh, really adding uh, to his despair and, and causing more bereavement, I would say, and uh, just trying to convince him he's a hardened sinner, and he just needs to get right. But today, we're, we're going to talk about two benefits of suffering, and uh, oftentimes we don't like that idea. We just want suffering to be over. Um, we just want to press on and move on, but God allows it in our life. And so we'll look at a couple key thoughts here today, just two really. And uh, the first one is suffering often reveals our real motives for living for the Lord. You know, are you all in or not? <laughs> so once, once testing and trial comes, and uh, oftentimes there's those that do walk away. Uh, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of life, is the words I always remember. When the Lord asks the disciples, are you going to turn back as well? Are you going to turn away? Things are getting hard. Things are getting difficult. And, uh, but really, the truth of the matter is there is really nowhere else to go. Um, but let's begin by reading in, in chapter 15. It says, Then answered Eliphaz uh, the Temanite and said, Should a wise man utter vain knowledge and fill his belly with the east wind? Should he reason with unprofitable talk or with speeches wherewith he can do no good? Yea, thou castest off fear and restraineth prayer before God. For thy mouth uttereth thine iniquity, and thou choosest uh, the tongue of the crafty. Thine own mouth condemneth thee, and not I, yea, thine own lips testify against thee. Art thou the first man that was born, or wast thou made before the hills? Hast thou heard the secret of God, and dost thou restrain wisdom to thyself? What knowest thou that we know not? What understandest thou which is not in us? With us are both the gray-headed and very aged men, much elder than thy father. Are the consolations of God small with thee? Is there any secret thing with thee? Why doth thine heart carry thee away? And what do thy eyes wink at? That thou turnest thy spirit against God, and lettest such words go out of thy mouth. What is man that he should be clean, and he which is born of a woman that he should be righteous? Behold, he putteth no trust in his saints. Yea, the heavens are not clean in his sight. How much more abominable and filthy is man which drinketh iniquity like water. I will show thee, hear me, and that which I have seen I will declare, which wise men have told from their fathers and have not hid it. Unto whom alone the earth was given and no stranger passed among them. The wicked man travaileth with pain all his days and the number of years is hidden to the oppressor. A dreadful sound is in his ears. In prosperity the destroyer shall come upon him. He believeth not that he shall return out of darkness, and he is waited for of the sword. He wandereth abroad for bread, saying, Where is it? 
He knoweth that the day of darkness is ready at his hand. Trouble and anguish shall make him afraid. They shall prevail against him as a king ready to the battle. For he stretcheth out his hand against God and strengtheneth himself against the Almighty. He runneth upon him, even on his neck, upon the thick bosses of his bucklers. Because he covereth his face with his fatness and maketh the callops of fat on his flanks. And he dwelleth in desolate cities and in houses which no man inhabiteth, which are ready to become heaps. He shall not be rich, neither shall his substance continue, neither shall he prolong the perfection thereof upon the earth. He shall not depart out of darkness. The flame shall dry up uh, his branches, and by the breath, breath of his mouth shall he go away. Let not him that is deceived trust in vanity, for vanity shall be his recompense. It shall be accomplished before his time, and his branch shall not be green. He shall shake off his up, unripe grape as the vine, and shall cast off his flower as the olive. For the congregation of hypocrites shall be desolate, and fire shall consume the tabernacles of bribery. They conceive mischief and bring forth vanity, and their belly uh, prepareth deceit. Let's continue reading in chapter 16, actually. Then Jacob, or excuse me, Job answered and said, I have heard many such things. Miserable comforts are ye all. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for your word, and I pray that you would just uh, meet with us in this place today. Lord, I pray for each Sunday school teacher that will be teaching the word of God today, that you would fill them with the Spirit, and I pray that each one would be attentive and, Lord, receptive to what your word has to say to them today, and I pray, Lord, that you would use your Spirit to touch hearts. I pray that each one would leave this place closer to Christ than they came, and Father, we do, Lord, thank you for the opportunity to gather. Help us, Lord, to take advantage of that opportunity Lord, you're just so good to us, and you're an encouragement. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your word. And, and Father, we just pray that you'd help us to rest in you. And, Lord, that we would seek comfort only in you and nowhere else. And, Lord, we do ask again that you'd bless this hour. In Jesus' name, amen. As I mentioned, suffering often reveals our true heart uh, toward the things of God. And so Eliphaz opens up, and, and he it tells Job that he's not wise because a wise man would not answer with empty talk. And again, just being more presumptuous about how he perceives Job's response to the affliction that God's allowed in his life. And just making those assumptions on what's taking place. And uh, he, he asks Job, he, he tells him he's nothing but the east wind, just really calling him a windbag. And uh, there's no wisdom in it. And, and he compares, you know, he mentions his... Uh, their age, right, as they're much senior to him, they're elder, uh, older than his father, uh, it, it says. In, <clears throat> in verse 4 in chapter 15, it says, Yea, thou casteth off fear and restraineth prayer before God. In other words, uh, they're saying Job has no reverence for God. Uh, and, it, and it's hindering his prayers and... and uh, Lord, help us this morning. Verse 5 and 6, look what it says. For thy mouth uttereth thine iniquity, and thou choosest the tongue of the crafty. Thine own mouth condemneth thee, and not I. Yea, thine own lips testify against thee. Again, and I read chapter 16 and verse 1, or verse 2, it says, I have heard many such things. Can you, you get the idea that Job's tired of it? Boy, these guys have all this advice. 
I've heard many such things. And then he says, miserable comforters are ye all. Listen, Job's just looking for some comfort. Again, we know the description that God has given of him, perfect and upright and eschews evil. And folks just continue to lambaste him. And make assumptions that he's not right with God and that the things that he's saying. And I think I mentioned this a few weeks ago. Listen, God understands our emotions and our struggles as we go through affliction. He gets it. And Job is just being honest on how he feels and the struggles that he's facing. He understands, or our Savior understands these things. Aliphaz does get some things right, though. His theology isn't all wrong. Eliphaz insists man cannot be either clean or righteous before God. He says humans are abominable and have a thirst for iniquity. Uh, uh, Psalm 14.3 says this, They are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. And so we understand that apart from Christ, apart from the grace of God and the imputed righteousness that we have in Christ, we are not. There is no good in us. And I think Job understood that principle here. And that's why he's just, in chapter 16, he's just like, listen, guys, I've heard it. I get it. I understand what you're saying. Uh, but the, the accusations just continue to fly. Verse 25 in chapter 15, For he strengtheneth out his hand against God and uh, strengtheneth himself against the Almighty. Talking about the wicked man, uh, Eliphaz. In, if you look back up in verse 20, it says, The wicked man travaileth. And then it goes down through those next several verses about how those wicked folks uh, are, or conduct themselves. Uh, and he just says that the wicked man suffers torment, and even on good days, robbers attack him. Uh, and so he just continues on, and that these things only come about to those that are wicked. And, and we've talked about that in the last few weeks, and that's not the case. God allows the wicked to prosper, um, He's merciful, uh, and God allows the just to suffer at times. And so, um, Eliphaz, in Eliphaz's mind, the way God works is simple. He punishes the wicked and rewards the righteous. Very basic. Uh, and for them, outside anything outside of that is, is impossible almost, they would say. Why live for God if it's not that way? Why should we live for God both good times and bad times? Listen, if, if wicked only suffered and the just and those that walked right only prospered, everybody that wasn't an idiot would just live right. Right? Are you picking up what I'm putting down? If it was that simple, if it was that black and white, we would just conduct ourselves in such a way. And now listen, sometimes the wicked prosper because... There are principles that God, whatsoever man soweth that shall he also reap. And so if you work hard, oftentimes you receive, right? So there are some things that the wicked benefit because they're the laws that God have put in place. Uh, but if it was just as black and white as Eliphaz is trying to make it out to be, um, everybody that wasn't an imbecile would just do the right thing. But the reality is that's not the case. Wicked do prosper. Now, we, we also know we need to consider their end, Right? The psalmist tells us that. 
Uh, it won't last forever. But Lamentations 3, 22 through 26, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Because his compassions fail not, they are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him. To the soul that seeketh him, it is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. Listen, we need to just continue to keep our focus and do right, even in the times of affliction, because God is still merciful. We need to wait for the salvation of the Lord, as, as Lamentation says. And, and listen, don't ever forget that God's goodness is not gone. God's goodness has not been exhausted. Uh, and, and so sometimes when we go through this life and, and there seems to be suffering, affliction, challenge, difficulty after difficulty, God is doing a work. And hopefully we'll be able to draw that in at the conclusion of this lesson. Um, <clears throat> Listen, an important benefit of suffering is God reveals our real motives. Are we just living for him because it's been good? And when I say he, real, he, he reveals our real motives, listen, it, it, it enhances a relationship uh, with our Savior, with our God. God doesn't want us to avoid sin out of just fear of punishment. Certainly that, that would be prudent. But the reason God wants us to live for Him is found in the greatest commandment. And we've looked at this a few times lately. Matthew twenty two thirty seven and 38, Jesus saith unto him, Love thou the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. Listen, God desires a relationship with us. God wants us to love Him. God wants us to do those things that please Him because we love Him. And listen, we understand we love Him because He first loved us. And so when we face these difficulties, these are ways that God draws us nearer to Himself. And it may not seem like that at the time. Because as we've talked about in, in previous weeks, Job no doubt felt distant from God. Because oftentimes we get comfortable in the mountaintops. Everything's going good, God's good, everything's great, we're happy, life is, is wonderful. And then when things start to happen that aren't as enjoyable, when the illness comes, when the financial distress comes, when the challenges of life come, when you start raising teenagers, those are tough days, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Listen, when, when life gets hard, all of a sudden we think God's against us. But He's not. He's still good. He's still merciful. And listen, He still wants that relationship with you. And, and oftentimes, listen, we just want it to go away. And so what do we do? We try to solve things ourselves. Because we want this to go away because it hurts. We don't like it. And that's when we get in trouble. Because what we're doing, we're leaning up to our own understanding. But the reality is God may be bringing that affliction in your life just so you'll lean on him more and trust him more in, in the difficulty, in the hard time. 
Listen, God wants us to love him so much that we give him all of our devotion. We ought to love him with all of our being. If God only blessed the good and punished the evil, we would be good for the wrong reason. It wouldn't be a relationship. Are, do you get what I'm saying today? Listen, you, there's the, the saying, when you have a lot of money, you've got a lot of friends. Right? If God's just pouring out the goodness all the time and the goodness keeps flowing and the goodness keeps coming and we talk about this prosperity gospel that so many think is, is great and wonderful, but that's not the reality of who our God is. Our God wants a deep and intimate and genuine relationship with his creature, right. creation. And in order to do that, hard times have to come because it's approving. And we'll look, Isaiah chapter 48, I believe verse 10 tells us that. We'll get there hopefully this morning. I wouldn't be where I'm at with the Lord if it wasn't for hard times. But many times, I was frustrated in those hard times. And I was impatient. That's the opposite of what we ought to be, right? The Bible tells us over and over to be patient in tribulation. Because what? God's working. And so, listen, I know there's folks in here hurting today, right now. There's challenges in life. There's difficulties that you're facing. Listen, you just need to trust him more. Now is the time to lean on him more than ever before. Uh, because he's got more grace that he can continue to give out. And listen, you might not have all the things that you material or physically thought you, you needed or want, but you can have a greater relationship with God than ever before if you would just lean on him more. If things are good, we tend not to lean. Because life's going well. We just carry on. <clears throat> do you trust God? We say that we do. Boy, I trust Him. But then practically, day to day, when things get difficult or when things are easy, we don't respond that way. Listen, when it's hard, that's the best time and the most important time to trust God more than ever before. He knows the end from the beginning. And he can bring these things to pass in a greater way than you will ever be able to do yourself. And so don't lean on yourself. Just trust him. And listen, that's easy for me to say because as far as I know, I'm relatively healthy. I do have a VA appointment tomorrow. Maybe they'll tell me I'm dying. The reality is that could happen. I, I'm, I'm being somewhat joking, but that's the reality. That You don't know until the day it happens when the doctor calls. And so, listen, we just need to trust him more and more each and every day. Each and every difficulty and each and every challenge because he knows best. And I don't want you to forget he has your best interest in mind. Listen, and it's better than your interest for yourself. Listen, we'll give ourselves a mansion and a fancy car and whatever this world has to offer if we have our way. But God wants a sweeter relationship day by day. And all those things that this world has to offer will fade away and mean nothing. Listen, don't get caught up in what the world has to offer. It'll be gone one day. It's going to burn.
we all need to realize when we see a brother or sister suffering, the same thing or something worse might happen to us tomorrow. Sometimes we're critical of folks, and then next thing you know, we're eating our words. There's a saying, make sure your words are soft and sweet today, because tomorrow you may have to eat them. Listen, don't be a miserable comforter. When folks are struggling in, in difficult uh, circumstances, and, and I would, you know what, and I know we, got, we understand what Job's situation is. I would even say if it's self-inflicted, we still need to be gracious. If you know that they are in that situation because of sin, we still need to be gracious and understanding because we could be there too. And so just be kind to folks. We can comfort others because we've suffered. There's, well, you don't want to be the one up, right? Now you're but I remember this time I was, you know, that's not what I'm saying this morning. But the reality is sometimes you've been through it and somebody's going through a very similar or the same thing and you can just say, hey, God can bring us through this. God can bring you through this. And so Job, I mean, he expresses his disgust with his friends in really 16 down through 17. Uh, He asks them when their veins words will end. He says if they were in his place, he could talk like them and shake his head at them. But he wouldn't. Job says he would instead strengthen and console them. Look at 16 verses. uh, Let's start in verse 3. It says, Shall vain words have an end, or what emboldeth thee that thou answerest? I also could speak as ye do. If your soul were in my soul's stead, I could heap up words against you and shake mine head at you. But I would strengthen you with my mouth. And the moving of my lips should assuage your grief. He's like, listen, guys, there's a much better way to be a friend, uh, to be a comfort. Uh, Listen, we can use our words to be miserable comforters, or we can use our words to assuage the grief or or the distress or the affliction somebody's facing. Listen, nowhere in the Bible are we encouraged to judge people to explain why God is allowing things to happen in their life. We're not commanded to do that. We're not directed to do that. But instead, what are we commanded to do? Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Listen, we ought to just be there to comfort them, to help in their grief. Listen, and listen, sometimes we don't even fully understand what they're going through. But if we can just double down and say, hey, God knows best, just trust Him. Because let's be honest, that's hard to do at times. We all, listen, this is a Sunday school crowd. I get it, right? I got a tie on today. I'm looking sharp. We're, we're dressed up looking snazzy this morning. And we have all the right things to say. Oh, God's good. Better than I deserve. Boy, I just trust him. I'll trust him more every day. And we say all those right things. But when we get back to the house and we're in the private of our homes and we're in the difficult times of of processing things that God's allowed in our life mentally. Those aren't the things that we're saying to ourselves. Those are the front that we put up before the people. And so sometimes we just need to be honest with one another and say, I don't want to mention a name, but somebody this Wednesday actually told me that. She said, 
I can't remember the exact words, but they basically, oh, I've been better. Being honest, we need more of that. Because you know what I could do now? Lord, I don't know what's going on in their life, but things are difficult right now. And we can pray for one another educatedly. Encourage one another. Listen, we need to quit being frauds. And act like we're super spiritual and everything's hunky-dory. Job was going through it. He was miserable. And all his friends had to offer were the right answer. Just get right with God, Job. you got to have sin. Just a bunch of philosophy and theology that was misappropriated. They did not know what God was doing in his life. And the things that God was allowing in his life. And so listen, we need to be an encouragement. He hath made me also a byword of the people, and aforetime I was uh, a tabret. This is Job 17.6. And uh, Job, he's just continuing his reply uh, to these friends here, and, and they're just judging and contemning him. And, and Job understands. Boy, I, I, I'm just a byword. Uh, boy of the people. Uh, the idea is to be just despised or in contempt and and I came across a couple different things about this idea of a time I was a tabred. And, and if it was a time before his affliction, uh, perhaps it was uh, the idea of, you know, a tabret being a drum and, and, and just rejoicing and, and things were pleasant. But there's another application, and I think uh, <clears throat> we can make that application. But that word tabret in Hebrew is ofeth, base, uh, of the word meaning a smiting or contempt. The idea of a pounding on a drum, just a beating and, and things. I think uh, we could certainly make the application that it was the rejoicing in the aforetime before God brought his affliction. But I think he may be talking about uh, throughout this period of time, God's afflicting him. It just feels like God just keeps beating on him and smiting him and, and, and just having his way with him. Matthew Henry says this in regards to 17. Six, it says, he has now made me a byword, a reproach of men, whereas aforetime in my prosperity I was a tabret, uh, the darling of the human race, who they were all with. It is common uh, for those who were honored in their wealth to be despised in their poverty. And so uh, he, Matthew Henry, takes the, the other thought on it. But listen, the reality is Job knows he's going through it. Uh, life is miserable. Uh, sackcloth and ashes. And we know Job's body is really a shell of what it used to be at this point. His, his wealth and everything was taken, but he was afflicted physically as well. And um, he, he goes into that in chapter 17. In verse 11, he, he says this, he says, My days are past. My purposes are broken off. Even the thoughts of my heart. He, he's just been beat. Uh, things are difficult. In verse 12 and 17, he says this, They changed the night into day, and the light is short because of the darkness. And uh, <clears throat> his friend, they say the light is near. Job asked uh, what would happen if he goes to the grave and makes his bed in darkness. Just 13 through 14, he goes on, is there hope? In verses 15 and 16, we can look at that. Is it? Where is now my hope as for my hope? Who shall see it? They shall go down to the bars of the pit when our rest together is in the dust. Uh, 
as we draw this to a close here this morning, we see that when Job's friends are trying to help him, they speak logically and theologically. They just break some things down to him. But when somebody's hurting, when you're hurting, we, we can't comfort them oftentimes by thinking logically and philosophically or theologically. We need to speak compassionately. We need to show some compassion. As in this case, logic and, and theology will usually cause more confusion and pain. Miserable comforters are you. Job agreed, Job agreed with what they were saying in their theology, if you will, on yes, God does punish the wicked. Yes, I understand these things. So it wasn't that they were wrong. They kind of misappropriated what God was doing here. These things often will be helpful later, though. Isn't it true that after the storm, after the difficulty, sometimes you can look back and see what God was doing? Our timing could be critical in how we help people. But I would say seldom are they beneficial during that time when somebody's in the midst of suffering or in the midst of adversity. We should show compassion. Listen, God loans us comfort. And He does it so that we can comfort others. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comfort us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. And I think God is far more capable to do a myriad of things in our affliction. But let's just say he did one thing. And it was to allow you to go through it to be a blessing to somebody else. I don't believe that God is one singular reason on why he would allow a difficulty in our lives. Because God can take that and use it in many ways. But I'm a simple guy and sometimes I can only comprehend one thing. I know my wife seems to have a million things in her brain at once, but oftentimes I can just have one. So my question in regards to that this morning is, would it be good enough for you that if God was allowing you to go through what you're going through just so you can be a blessing to others? Would that be good enough or do you think you need more out of it? Listen, Christ suffered for our gain and our benefit. I think God can use our suffering and our afflictions in many ways. And oftentimes I think in our church, because we're not candid with each other, we're not honest with our difficulties and challenges, we miss out opportunities to be a comfort and a blessing and help to other people. Because we do put up that front. Oh, I'm doing good. But you're really not. That person probably had something they could have offered to comfort you if you would have been honest with them. But they don't know of the need because you've been faking. That everything's good and everything's hunky-dory. Did you know we're a body? This assembly of believers, we're a body. 
and we should be here to encourage and to strengthen and to support and exhort one another. And if we can't be honest here, where can we? The workplace? They got a bunch of gobbledygook knowledge to give you. It's not going to help you. Hopefully our homes are a sanctuary that we can be honest in, in loving and, and caring with each other. But sometimes we need something outside of the home to be an encouragement. Listen, I'm just encouraging you this morning. Let's be a help to one another. Let's be honest about our struggles. Let's be honest about the affliction that we feel in our life and the difficulties that, that God, listen, he has allowed it in your life. And he wants to work in your life through that. And there are people in this room, people in our assembly of churches, I know not the whole church isn't in here this morning, but we could be at help to people if we just knew. We could help bear your burden. We could pray for you. We can have encouraging words. Listen, God doesn't want us to explain why they're suffering. He just wants us to share the comfort that we have received from him with them. We're going to close with this, 2 Corinthians 4, 17 through 18. For our light affliction is but for a moment. Worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not on the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. God is doing a work in our lives that's an eternal work. Listen, we're in the beginning of this relationship. In Christ, we will have a relationship with Him for eternity. (laughs) And so, I remember the old song when I was a youngster and and then when I would lead uh, some junior churches years ago, He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Listen, God is working in each and every one of our lives. Listen, some people may be on the mountain this morning. Some people may be in the deepest, darkest valley today. But in both of those situations, God's working in your life to bring you closer to Him. We ought to lean on Him. He's still working on us. Sometimes we face suffering because there's a tendency for us to trust in the world in the system that the world offers and the financial gain that we can get well maybe God takes some of that away so we can learn to lean on him God is often purifying our hearts God can do a myriad of things here listen God's doing an eternal work in our lives we need to be patient and allow him to do that work listen he purifies us in affliction. Isaiah 48.10, Behold, I have refined thee, but not with silver. I have chosen thee in the furnace of affliction. Listen, God's working in our lives. Let's trust him. He's a far greater craftsman than any of us. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. Lord, I thank you for affliction. Lord, I know that <clears throat> it's hard and it, and it hurts, but Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you would 
purify us and conform us to the image of your Son, Lord. And we Lord, do thank you, Lord, for your love toward us and that you would, Lord, it just still baffles me that you would want a relationship with me. And so, Father, I pray, Lord, that you would just help us to draw closer to you in all our circumstances of life, whether it's affliction or whether it is those joyous times of rejoicing. Now, Father, I pray that you would purify us and help us, Lord, to be more like Christ. We ask for your blessing on the service to follow, Lord. We pray for your Holy Spirit to fill this place. Lord, I ask that you would touch each and every heart here today. Be with our pastor as he preaches. I pray, Lord, that you would fill him with the Spirit. Lord, I pray that as the Word of God goes forth, that you would have your will and way done in each and every heart today. Lord, I pray that you'd strengthen and encourage us to continue on for the work of the ministry. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.